United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Cult of Corporation, a spinoff from Paul and Andrea of United States of Lead, where we dive into the cult-like following of corporate America. While editing the Koch Brothers episode, and after recording the episodes on Ginny and Clarence, it became apparent that 1974 was a very important year, or at least that year and surrounding years were very important years as far as the origins of the Cult of Corporation. And that made me want to look further into the connections between people who were in Nixon's administration who led into the upcoming administrations after, including Reagan. More specifically, how the similarity between both Clarence and Ginny working for those representatives, leaving working for those representatives to work in the corporate sector of law, And then going back to the same representatives they worked for in Washington and then working like magic, working their way up to insane power. So then talking about that, Paul, you led us to what we're actually going to talk about, if you want to describe that a little bit. When you were describing the events in the 70s, it reminded me of a book by uh, Kurt Anderson, the amazing, the American treasure, Kurt Anderson. Fantasyland, where he describes the Powell Memo. Is the whole book about it? The whole book is about how America is founded on the most American thing in the world is this weird marriage to fantasy. We've never really lived in the world that we've tried to create. And the world that we try to create is based on uh, a kind of calculus that will never really achieve. And it certainly isn't open to everyone, whether that's with prohibition, whether that's with Puritanism, the world that we're trying to make isn't really the world that we would want. And it's also not a world we could achieve. So. Well, let's link that to in our sources so that. Oh, for sure. Everyone should read it. And it's, so it's, it's, you know, it's the kind of book that's like, you know, like, uh, what is it? Uh, people's history of the United States. It's just so much information, bang, 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 bang. And it's all of this stuff where it's like, I should have known about this. I should have known about this. So if you have not heard about the Powell memo before, I have two things to say. One is 
the magnitude of the Powell memo cannot be understated. And the second thing is no one really knows about this. So it's like, it's that's, and that's partly by design. I don't think it's weird that, that we don't know about it because that's what they want. So, and then even having read about it and then like, it's basically the second half of the book. This is one of the founding principles of the second half of the book. I still can't just rattle off exactly how it works. But it was essentially a call to arms or a a rallying call. This it, it did not do this, but it was the embodiment of the It was like a blueprint. The, the, the coming together the and a blueprint for corporate power. Unions are getting more and more stuff. More and more stuff is going to more and more people. This whole civil rights thing seems to be just starting rather than yeah. rather than coming to an end. This was the perfect time for them to act. And I, I, I can't I'd go into all the specifics, but it was like because of racial unease, because of insanely high and frightening gas situation, fuel situation at the time. I believe yeah. you're talking about 2022. <laughs> it's happening again. All of this has happened before uh, and all uh, of this will happen again. Oh, geez. Also, if you've never is watched that the, is that the Watchtower? Important to note is specifically you talking about the time that this was brought about was 1971. So he wrote this in 1971. Mm-hmm. We know that a lot of those corporate restrictions started happening in the mid 70s. Everything, like I said, that happened with Ginny, Clarence, Nixon, Gerald Ford, signing the legislation that restricted how much money a corporation or single person could give to a politician. Yep. All those things, all of it's conglomerating these few years. Something that's really important with Trump and politics now, and always has been, but we're seeing with Trump, is it does not matter what you say. It does not matter what you do. It matters what your supporters think and feel and how they're motivated to act. It has. I think that's more specifically the action part, because what I was going to say sure. with Herschel Walker mm-hmm. and the news coming about him paying for abortions and yada, yada. There are people in the cult of corporation who are very vocal right now. Tweets that I've seen with people saying, I don't care if Herschel Walker killed a bald eagle in front of me. He is right. Like, and so it's just like this divine, supposed divine calling. It has nothing to do really with what you believe even because those things are supposed to be sacred. Yeah, it's really about power. And and you get that power by getting people to support you. It, it's not that they're going out to vote. It's not that they're planting gardens for their neighbors or like it, what the, the thing is that they're supporting you. What I was going to say about the Powell memo is it was really a marketing campaign. This is like Coke trying to. to not cocaine. Well, at one well, point, I guess it was. technically cocaine at one point. <laughs> but it's like Coca Cola <laughs> trying to embed itself in Christmas. Like it. Yeah. The, the Republican Party went on a marketing campaign. This corporate arm of, uh, of neoliberals went in on a marketing campaign and trying to embed themselves in safety and this notion of like law and order. Law and, and it, order. Uh, it also has usurped a kind of like outward racism where you can participate. You can worry about like 
your neighborhoods and not worry yeah, about you can be not racist black without people. saying you're racist i know the democratic party and the media in general even to this day has not caught up with this first of all we use phrases like well when history judges it's like that's ridiculous and <laughs> there's no history no no it's not going to judge because they're going to be in charge we are not acknowledging the power of like the shift in culture but even with the civil rights movement it's not really about policy. We would have passed the ERA. We would have gotten healthcare for all. We would have gotten, like if we did the math, we would have said, we make more money raising intelligent, creative thinking. Mm -hmm. We're better prepared as a nation to have Just a bunch of Denmark, smart, <laughs> smart people who don't have all the answers because they need to be able, they need to have nimble thinking and create the products and the markets that don't exist yet. That's what we really like need evolution. instead of creating a, you know, uh, farming prisons and instead of, so we are yeah. prisons quick. Cause my mom was talking about this and cause at the announcement of Biden pardoning everybody with a federal marijuana possession. Mm -hmm. And she was saying how she felt so ignorant to the fact of not knowing how many prisons are privatized. And she said, you know, I just assumed all of that state run. Like, why would, and I'm like, why wouldn't you think that? Yeah. You, you don't know that that's a corporate, its own court. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it real. Okay. If I just throw my computer around, I'm so pissed. You're not supposed, like you said, you're not meant to know certain things. And like, we're not meant to know that, that that's a business. It's not supposed to be profitable, I guess, is what I'm trying to say is. There's a lot of people under the assumption that it's not a for-profit thing. It's just where bad people go. And that's just simply not true. There's also a myth that there's some kind of uh, critical mass of like, as soon as there's enough people that are burdened by this. So we get all the black people, we get all these black people who are sent there and we got all these brown people that are sent there. You know, we got all these brown people who are dying from polluted water or, or lead or whatever. I don't think that that happens. I, I, there's, there are enough people who are being harmed. There's enough families that are being torn apart. There's enough mm -hmm. generations that are being lost that we should have enough people to cry out. But what we really have are cultural blockades. There's, there, we have things that are keeping us from seeing this as anything other than criminal. We actually kind of think that it's fair. Yeah, I don't think that... complacency is definitely a, a big factor. But I feel like too, but that's you, also by design. I agree. That's what I, that's my point. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know what's happening with, with this marijuana thing. It should have happened decades ago. It should have happened under Obama. It should just should have never been illegal back in it the should 30s. Never, <laughs> it should never have been illegal. Absolutely. I'm certain there's going to be some backlash about that. And yeah. the, the answer when I, you know, you talk to someone about this, it just comes down to like this desire to punish. Like we just think it's important that we, yes. apparently that's like, that's Tale more important than, hashtag their mascot. Yeah. Who they yeah. don't even cite properly. Actually, that's something. So there's this comedian, I always forget his name. It's John, starts with an F. John. It, he's very vocal on Twitter and okay. he's always responding to the, trolls and stuff like that and this one person said i'd like for you to cite one time in the bible where jesus says he's against ex execution don't worry i'll wait 
And he responds with like at least like five to 10 parts in the Bible where Jesus explains why he's okay with people killing people. It has nothing to do with the whole meaning is gone at this point. Like I've said before, Jesus is just the mascot. He's not the coach. I didn't, I didn't make that up by the way. I just saw that on social media, but so with Texas, remember when their grid shut down Yeah. and Abbott had just come out with his stance on certain things when that whole storm hit, do you remember that? And like, and he was saying how they wanted to secede. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, we don't have any power. And now DeSantis, after he pulled that horrific stunt and that hurricane hit, it's like, if you were really going to take this contextually as biblical, you would see those as signs that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in the name of Jesus. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I don't get is like how radical Christians aren't seeing that at, for the fear that it should be in the context of what they use it for. Because they're not Christian. That's I know. I, I, yeah. That's my point I'm getting to. But that's yeah. what's so frustrating is actual people who say they're Christian need to really take note of that and say, gee. Yeah, they're just white racists. And yeah. the reason why I know that is because they've moved away from the phrase non-denominational and they've moved away from the phrase of evangelical. And what they're really saying is that they're they're just Christians. Yeah. It's a stand-in for white purity. It's a yes. stand-in for American white purity. America first. Yeah. It's just fucking gross. Not as gross as Ron DeSantis' boots, though, when he was... I don't know. They look pretty pure. <laughs> well, they they look were pretty... pure white. <laughs> he didn't do a lot of work in those boots. Did you see the picture I sent you with Biden? I did. Well, let me just oh. throw this about Greg Abbott is that yeah. uh, he's an asshole. He is an asshole. He's a fucking <laughs> asshole. He can fuck all the way off. That grid is not fixed. And they've no. spent a lot of time. They spent a whole lot of time talking about women's vaginas and yes! women's reproductive rights and how to take them away and the importance and of traumatizing spent... children in school oh, and making them prison yes oh yes let's not forget that they've done nothing to fix that grid so texas is on its way to a 2.0 of two years ago that's fucked yeah and i have a lot of family down in san antonio i mean are those folks gonna vote they're gonna vote for him they're gonna vote for him yeah I mean, I'm a big fan of this Beto, and I think... I saw he was at a Harry Harry Styles, gave him a shout-out at a concert in Texas. Is that good now? I don't know. Is that... I don't know. I still... I like Harry Styles, but... I do, too. I don't want to... I don't want to not like him, but I also... I don't know. I'm indifferent. But I think for for Beto, it's good for the... I don't know. Are we... Do they like him now, or is he... Ooh, this Styles? is really a Amber, or not Amber Heard, but... Um, I was like, dear God, no, that's not this Olivia Wilde. What's Olivia Wilde question? <laughs> I don't know. So on the fence, on. I don't know, because... So do you know the guy who... Probably listeners are kidding that we don't really have a, a main thing this week as we're just talking This is but, really the... Uh, the um, you know, every now and then we just need to have a discussion. Right. But do you know... Um, God, he's... Olivia Wilde came out saying that this guy is the leader of the the incels and he's this fuck I can't I know his face but there was he just was talking on some news thing and she apparently made him cry for saying it do you know who I'm talking about so this guy made Olivia Wilde cry no 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 she apparently made him cry good I'm awesome making Jordan Peterson do you know who this guy is thank you and this guy is he not the most elitist twat you've ever seen? 
<laughs> he never says anything. He's like, it's like, um, hey, Jordan, I, I'm going to get some toast. Do you want any? He's like, but why, by toast? What do you mean? What, do you, what, is, what do you mean by I, toast? Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. You know what I fucking mean. <laughs> I said a word. You knew what I meant. Let's go from there. By, by culture, what do you mean? No, 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 no. Don't pull this, like, first-year philosopher bullshit. You know what I'm talking about. People are hurt by these things. That's what we're talking about. He dances around things in such a disgusting way. So what happened was the headline here, I'll just, Variety posted about it. Jordan Peterson breaks down in tears when asked about Olivia Wilde calling him a, quote, hero to the incel community. Yeah. And he breaks down and says, sure, why not? And it's like, you are, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, what are you talking about? Because all he does is spew that shit. And then he t- he cries and it's about these lonely men. And it's like, you think there aren't lonely women out there? They're not out shooting school children. You know, so it's just taking that and weaponizing that and making it. Hi, Darvo. <laughs> yes. Hello. He did Darvo while being the victim. He's attacking while being the victim. So by doing this crying stunt and making it seem like she's this big, bad monster, he's the victim. There's also some other weird topic that he just starts crying about. It's oh, like, really? it's something really weird, like meat or I'm going to fight it. Like, like he just starts talking about it and like, it's like whales or it's something totally random and it comes up all the time and he just can't stop crying. So I wonder, is he actually a... You guys say doctor? A, no. Well, okay. this is saying that Megan Kelly, like which lashed out at director Olivia Wilde for making Jordan Peterson out to be a demon in her new film. So is he actually a character in the film? Of Olivia Wilde? Yeah. Uh, and don't worry, that's, darling. Why Harry, would you Stiles, spend, why Harry would you Styles spend, is Jordan stars as Jordan Peterson. Why would you spend a second with in the same space as this loser? I, you know, I thought he kind of went away. I hadn't seen him in a while, and I was like, yay. But apparently he came back. Anyways. What we're actually talking about. Oh, wait, before I forget, I forgot my t-shirt idea. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's why we started recording. About like an hour ago. I forgot my t-shirt idea. Okay. So I wanted to say, sorry, I'm late. I fell down a rabbit hole. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Isn't it? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. But anyways, the Powell memo from BillMoyers.com, which will be in our sources. His article entitled this from 2012 is, The Powell Memo, A Call to Arms for Corporations, just as we were discussing. He also cites a book. This book is actually from Jacob S. Hacker and Paul Pearson, which is called Winner Takes All Politics. It has a subtitle of How Washington Made the Rich Richer and Turned His Back on the Middle Class. Now, they explain in this book the significance of the Powell Memorandum, which, again, a call to action for American corporations written by Virginia lawyer and future U.S. court justice, which I did not know, Lewis Powell, to a neighbor working with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. So it says in the fall of 1972, the National Association of Manufacturers made a surprising announcement. It planned to move its main offices from New York to Washington, (laughs) D.C. I mean, that's all you need to know, really, but... Yeah. They said, quote, we have been in New York since before the turn of the century because we regarded the city as the center of business and industry. But the thing that affects business most today is government. The interrelationship of business with business is no longer so important as the interrelationship of business with government. 
In the last several years, that has become very apparent to us, end quote. Just like church and state should be separate, so should there be written something about corporate interest in government as well being separate. I think it adds to it, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, please. Uh, this is from the Sheldon Whitehouse, the great Sheldon Whitehouse, Senator Whitehouse, from his uh, webpage. This is where that scheme is from. And he writes, uh, Powell recommended a, prop a propaganda effort staffed with scholars and speakers, a propaganda effort to which American businesses would devote 10% of its total bu advertising budget, including an effort to, re to review and critique textbooks, especially economics, po uh, political science, and sociology. That's how you win. <laughs> That's, you get all the economists to say like, yeah, this is how money operates, trickle down theory. We need to have these things and we need to get rid of crime. This is how you get rid of crime. It's like, that's how you win. I don't know how else to say it. Well, and what we've been bringing up with United States of Lead and all of the corporate restrictions and regulations were really starting to amp up in the 60s and 70s. Yes. And what Bill Moyers writes is, quote, to be more precise, what had become very apparent to the business community was that it was getting its clock cleaned. Used to having broad sway, employers faced a series of surprising defeats in the 60s and 70s. As we have seen, these defeats continued unabated when Nixon won the White House. And what we had mentioned is when that shit happened with Nixon and he actually ended up having to resign, that's when they were like, well, we need to make sure we do this and we can't nobody can touch us. Mm -hmm. Quote, despite electoral setbacks, the liberalism of the great society had surprising political momentum. From 1969 to 1972, as political scientist David Vogel summarizes, virtually the entire American business community experienced a series of political setbacks without parallel in the post-war period. In particular, Washington undertook a vast expansion of its regulatory power, introducing tough and extensive restrictions and requirements on business areas from the environment to occupational safety to consumer protection, end quote. And this is what we talk about all the time, all the regulations that are being rolled back and all the protocol that used to be in place with lead and how, I mean, Trump showed that. And it's almost like they were too, like they did too much at once almost. You know what I mean? Like they knew they had a limit of time to get it all done, but all those things to keep workers safe mm -hmm. and healthy and to an extent, the environment without really thinking about the environment that much, but it just hurt the corporations. And instead of them doing what they should do and adapting to what's best for the people, like we said, no, fuck that manifest destiny. This is the way we're going to do it. And you're going to fucking mold yourselves to what we see because we are the ones who have the money. So you're a thousand percent right. I'm just looking at something. So the thing that I'm reading is, that I'm also looking at is from Sheldon Whitehouse. He mm -hmm. read this into, he read this on the floor of the Senate. <gasps> oh, we should so try the video. Yeah, so it's in the Senate record. And one of the things he wrote was about his opening speech about the right-wing scheme to capture the, so Powell was a Supreme Court justice to capture the Supreme Court I described the secret strategy memo that Powell Lewis, uh, Powell, uh, Lewis Powell wrote on the eve of his appointment to the court about how to deploy corporate power, corporate political power. So wait, can I pause for a second? Yeah, so he was yeah. actually on the Supreme Court when he did this? Right before he went onto the Supreme Court, according to this. Right before. 
he writes this memo and then goes on to the Supreme Court. Oh my God. So as a just totally I'm, like clearance, sorry. Okay. It's totally it's, so it's like, how come this, anyone is questioning this? As a, so then he goes so Senator Whitehouse goes on to say, as a justice of the Supreme Court, Powell had a chance to prove to the corporate world his secret memos theory of what could be achieved, exploiting judicial action. His phrase particularly with what he called an activist-minded Supreme Court. Second, Powell had a chance on the court to start laying the legal groundwork for precisely the sort of, of corporate political activity that his secret memo had recommended to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is a, a private entity, and Powell did both. And then it goes into like specific cases, the Federal Campaign Act, which is the case of Bucky versus Vallejo. And the decision was a beast of 138 pages, another 83 pages of dissent. One observer called it extraordinary speed. The five justices in the case, including Powell, were described as First Amendment hawks who were wary of any portion of the Federal Election Campaign Act that could inhibit free speech. So they're saying like, wait, 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 wait. We can't actually uphold this law because this might inhibit someone's free speech. We're seeing that with um, with uh, they they tried that with with Trump and his um, uh, his stealing of, of documents. Yeah. So I want to go back to what Powell said, mm-hmm. because this is also going off of what you were just saying. Quote, by 1971, future Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell felt compelled to assert the following which we really need to get the video of this quote, American economic system is under broad attack, which quick end quote. They're all, this is always what they're saying. It's the, we're Where's under attack, attack, under siege. Where is Steven Seagal quote? This attack required mobilization for political combat. Business must learn the lesson that political power is necessary, that such power must be cultivated and that when necessary, it must be used aggressively and with determination, without embarrassment, and without reluctance, which has been so characteristic of American business, end quote. There goes that thing of, you know, without embarrassment. So we've talked about shame, you know, how they're always shaming. It's like they have no shame, no matter what you throw at them. And no matter what they say, it's that they're always the exception to the rule. Like, that doesn't count for me. That only counts for you. This is a part that that is driving me nuts. And this is from Sheldon Whitehouse, who's saying, married to the point that you just made, is this other thing of equal time. It's like, as long as they get, so it's like, I want to blow up the moon. Like, I, we want to give you health care, and we want to blow up the moon. It'll change the tides or something like that. And he says, free, so this free speech, this whole free speech thing, free speech meant corporate America having the right to be heard, even as the top, as the secret report said, equal time. The Freedom Association provided corporations, the organization, careful long-range planning and implementation. But it's like, if they always get a chance to have a counter, then that gives them legitimacy. It's like... Yeah. Like, I don't want to be shot by police. Well, we need to do our jobs. Like, we don't want, like, we need to be, have a safe environment. It's like, whoa, 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 Those are inapposite. That's not it. But the very fact that the media and the culture is putting these two things, I don't want my baby shot and we need more funding. Like, that's not. Now, this part I think is interesting too, because I, we're going to start connecting to the Cokes. 
the overlords, if you will. Quote, moreover, Powell stressed the critical ingredient for success would be organization. Strength lies in organization, in careful, long-range planning and implementation, and consistency of action over an indefinite period of years, in the scale of financing available only through joint effort and in political power available only through united action and national organizations, end quote. We remember that Fred Koch died. Charles took over immediately. And that was right at this time. And then the lead gas stuff starts happening. I mean, the ban happens in 74. It was phased out in 74, but people stopped using it before then. So you know that their numbers were already hurting and they wanted to stay on top. And then you have this Yahoo coming out with this stuff. (laughs) It's like, it's the perfect recipe. As far as like the time that this happened, it all is right there. Yeah. All right. I, I just, I, I want us to really just find this and, and take sections and put it on TikTok because I really feel that this will, it's necessary. All right. So Powell was just one, and again, this is from BillMoyers.com. Powell was just one of many who pushed to reinvigorate the political clout of employers before the policy winds shifted in the 60s. Okay. So that's really the set off that is the 60s. Business had seen little need to mobilize anything more than a network of trade associations. It relied mostly on personal contacts, and the main role of lobbyists in Washington was to troll for government contracts and tax breaks. I don't think anything's changed there. The explosion of policy activism and the rise of public interest groups, like those affiliated with Ralph Nader, created a fundamental challenge. And as the 70s progressed, the problem seemed to be getting worse. Powell wrote in 1971, But even after Nixon swept a landslide re-election, the legislative tide continued to come in. Now, with Watergate leading to Nixon's humiliating resignation and spectacular victory for Democrats in 74, the situation grew even more dire. And then this is interesting, quote, the danger had suddenly escalated. Bryce Harlow wrote, who was the senior Washington representative for Procter & Gamble and one of the engineers of the corporate political revival. Quote, we had to prevent business from being rolled up and put in the trash can by that Congress, end quote. And then, therefore, we get the setup of Reagan. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> it's just like, when you really see it like this, it's just so much more, I mean, we know it's always been obvious, but it's just so much more consumably obvious, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Oh, I love this. Quote, Powell Harlow and others sought to replace the old boys club with a more modern, sophisticated, and diversified apparatus, one capable of advancing employers' interests, even under the most difficult political circumstances. The hierarchical structures of corporations made it possible for a handful of decision makers to deploy resources and combine them with massive but underutilized capacities of their far-flung organizations These were the preconditions for an organizational revolution that was to remake Washington in less than a decade. And in the process lay the critical groundwork for the winner takes all of politics, end quote. So we look at the Koch brothers and these organizations and this just was happening half a century ago. Kind of funny. And the next, the next segment is business of the world unite. So I have a feeling the Koch brothers are coming in soon. (laughs) Also, I really like this greenpeace.org article. Okay. Because their headline is the Lewis Powell memo, a corporate blueprint to dominate democracy. There you go, folks. Like who hurt you, Lewis? Yeah. 
The Greenpeace website does a good job of breaking it down and in, in nice chunks. Mm-hmm. They have the segments of the dimensions of the attack, sources of the attack, because it's all attack, tone of the attack. Love it. Yep. And a lot about the tone of the attack. Sure. The, ap- <laughs> the apathy and default of business, responsibility of business executives, possible roles of the Chamber of Commerce, the campus, what can be done. And like you were talking about the staff of scholars, evaluation of textbooks. Yeah. This what is can a... be done about the public? Television. Okay. Well, let's just get to television and media because that's where we, we need to be right now as far as our podcast. So for under television, he writes, the national television networks should be monitored in the same way that textbooks should be kept under constant surveillance. Now we're seeing that with all this hoopla about banning books and shit. This applies not merely to so-called educational programs, such as selling of the Pentagon, but to the daily news analysis, which so often includes most sidious types of criticisms of the enterprise system. Whether this criticism results from hostility or economic ignorance, or, you know, just wanting the well-being of people. (laughs) Economic ignorance, you fuckhead. The result is the gradual erosion of confidence in business, free enterprise, and mediocre white men. I added that last one in there, end quote. This is all about white male ego, really. That is so important. Economic ignorance. That is so infuriating. They're supplementing economic knowledge with an actuated sense of freedom. Like, we need economics to do stuff. We need to keep this thing going so that you can maintain your free. Your freedoms are about to be taken away. You're going to lose them. Unless we keep this thing going, unless you keep having all this stuff moving around. And if it's not moving around and if it's not grooving, then it's coming to a halt and you're going to lose out. Man, that's Panopticon stuff, man. That's brilliant. So this is he goes on to say, quote, this monitoring to be effective would require constant examination of the text of adequate samples of program complaints to the media and to the Federal Communications Commission should be made promptly and strongly when programs are unfair or inaccurate. So that's so funny because it's like, that's all they do is project unfair and inaccurate messages. Oh, and here's you go. Here's the equal time. Quote, equal time should be demanded, but he says when appropriate, effort should be made to see that the forum type programs, such as the Today Show and Meet the Press, afford at least as much opportunity for supporters of the American system to participate as these programs do for those who attack it. End quote. That's, you know he's talking it. about PBS. <laughs> but that's it. That's that's just it. If you let that happen, it doesn't matter what they say. Yeah. If you let that happen, then they've proven their point. He's making a divide yeah. that if you support PBS human or, rights, yeah. Yeah. You're against the American system. You're against America. You're against, what, don't you like freedom? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure, they're, I'm sure that person's dying, but don't you like freedom? Oh, my Lord. You, uh, yeah. So with other media, he says, radio and the press are also important and every available means should be employed to challenge and refute unfair attacks, as well as to present the affirmative case through these media, end quote. The fact that I didn't even know who this fucker was is just so atrocious. Oh, he's got to think about pamphlets, needing pamphlets. Ginny probably got some of his pamphlets when she was handing them out for anti-cult. What does he say about pamphlets? Because I I imagine that could be applied to Facebook. 
He says, quote, the newsstands at airports, drugstores, and elsewhere are filled with paperbacks and pamphlets advocating everything from revolution to erotic free love. One finds almost no attractive, well-written paperbacks or pamphlets on, quote, our side. But unless the effort is made on a large enough scale and with appropriate imagination to assure some success, this opportunity for educating the public will be lost. You shouldn't be promoting your products as much as you should be promoting the American system. Oh, and then, oh, he even has neglected opportunity in the courts in there. Oh, yeah. Neglected stockholder power. My God. Further down. A more aggressive attitude. The need for a more aggressive attitude. Further down, he talks about how the businessman is the the forgotten individual. Oh, get over yourselves, white men. My God. But this goes back kind of to what we were talking about with DeSantis and stuff, because my mom and I were having this conversation. It's just like, and goes back to what we say about childhood development. It's uh, clearly his privilege, but it's this childlike temper tantrums. There ha- I really want to look into this guy more specifically, like who he is, which is kind of amusing that there's really not that much about it. But we highly, highly recommend that you check out the sources linked in this because this shit's bananas. And thank you, Paul, for coming up with this last minute discussion because there's a good we have ramble. a lot to look into. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, I want to thank everyone for going along on this this journey. And if you're still here, uh, you're the day ones. You're the real day ones. Hey, you know, and we actually, we I forgot to tell you that we had a spike in listeners this past week. So that's cool. This is some, some authentic, <laughs> authentic Andrea and Paul right here. So <laughs> <laughs> please tune in next week. <laughs> Don't leave us. Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.